Hello and welcome to this Chamber podcast about sustainability. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Laura Hepburn from Greenology, Claire Thompson from Genie, and Helen Gavorik from Durham University. Thanks very much for joining us. I wonder if I could start, hello, with you, Claire. Could you explain a little bit about your business and also your route into working in the sustainable field? Yeah, so hi, Kay. Thank you for inviting us along this morning. Um, so I started just um, with a background in biology as a, as a degree and, and undertook a graduate programme and then ended up in the pharmaceutical industry for about a decade. Um, and it was at that point in time we could see that there was some work that was happening. There was quite a lot of waste. Um, and I, kind of, I raised the point and they said, oh, well, that's just the cost of business. That's not what we think about in our organisation. Um, and then it just started making me think this isn't what I kind of first studied to, to believe in. So I thought, right, I, I need to move on and, and find a new career. So I, I took the risk, perhaps it would be, of, uh, of leaving without a job to go to, because if I kept waiting till I teed up a job, I think I would have just stayed there forever because it was quite a secure and um, comfortable lifestyle. But then you know, look, all it all, all kind of aligned and I ended up getting a job with the Northeast England Nature Partnership um, where we helped them develop um, an environmental strategy that looked at achieving environmental growth over 20 years for the Northeast. And this was before DEFRA brought out their 25 year environmental plan. So it was quite, quite ahead of its time. And then one of the tasks there was to set up an organization um, that would help businesses um, of any type and size understand their environmental impact and what they need to do to reduce that. As we were mindful that the climate agenda would very soon get the, the, the political hot, um, spotlight and attention that it really needed. So I think everything's aligned for different reasons at different, at different ways. And we're now here is this organization that's looking to support um public sector private sector charitable sectors and understanding the carbon footprint and making the right plans to reduce environmental impact oh that's brilliant thank you helen can you explain a bit about your background and what research you're working on at the moment yeah i uh, grew up and studied in the northeast and um i studied about the fashion business and marketing and then i've worked in the industry um, for some years and uh, and been in teaching and I've always kept in touch with industry through going to relevant conferences which I think are some of the greatest sources of information that that we can get and in, in the mid 2000s I, I had a look at um, some details from a conference uh, where Marks and Spencer was starting to present its plan A and I was really interested in that and obviously they were leading the way and uh, continuing um, to do so. So that, that prompted my interest and certainly the fashion business is one that um, can be much more sustainable in, in many different ways. Um, and since then, in the work that I've done and the research um, linking with government bodies and companies, it's been very much connected to um, sustainability. So through my teaching work at, at different universities and research projects, I've been able to look into different aspects of sustainability that can be improved and trying to support people and share that information um, in terms of doing that. So it's great to be given an opportunity to, uh, to have a voice in um, a podcast like this and in other areas to be able to share that. Oh, thank you. Laura, could I just ask you please to talk about your career route in to your current business and how it came about to be set up? Yeah, obviously I'm, I'm the director of Greenology and um, my career path was not 
your normal career path at all. I was very diverse in the different jobs. I was a single mum. I was everything that you wouldn't expect an engineer to be. And I've had to balance my life with uh, raising funds through different avenues to get me to where I wanted to be, which was in sustainability. And 10 years ago, I did a future uh, master's in future design and it showed me what problem we had in plastics. But at the time, I couldn't actually financially do anything for myself on that front. So it's great to come back into, I've got into biomass and energy creation. And now, obviously, we are taking things such as tires and wind turbine blades and recycling them full circle back into fuels that we can use for that true transition to net zero. And I think that's pivotal in what we need to do for sustainability right now, because we're not quite at the level where we can use the technology to you know, stop all the engines and stop all the different businesses that we need here in the Northeast um, that are very carbon heavy. Could I just take you both back a stage and if I could start with you, Claire? Can you tell me what your definition of a sustainability is and why you think it's so important? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think there's some good definitions that came from the UN and the, the Brundtland definition, um, but they're probably slightly older now because they focus very much on conserving resources so that we meet our needs, but we don't disadvantage kind of future communities. But I think um, to my mind, the definition's enhanced a little bit more. Um, environmental sustainability is definitely about the long game so it's not about thinking short term so that future generation part's really important but I think not just conserving natural and other resources um, but it's about protecting enhancing our global ecosystems um, to support current and future generations to meet their needs and that we don't compromise um, the next generations in doing so so I think that the addition now of that um, ecosystems element to sustainability is really important. That's really helpful, thank you. Helen, what would you say? Um, I, well, I agree very much with what Claire is saying there, and we do look back at this Brundtland definition of um, sustainability that's just been mentioned, which is from back in um, 1987. I agree that things have really changed then. And I think the, the main thing to consider is really the triple bottom line. So thinking about financial sustainability, uh, which is usually what would come straight to mind for business people when they think about that term, but also the fact that we need environmental and social sustainability um, alongside that, or people, planet, profit, as sometimes um, people call it, perhaps more memorably as well. So trying to keep all those together and making sure that they're um, each given a, a balance um, of support within an organisation. Do you see an urgency at present? Certainly we're getting more and more programmes and like the work that David Attenborough's done. Do you, do you get a sense of urgency amongst sort of the general public and the, the people that you work with? Definitely, yeah, yeah. And I think that there has been urgency, but the sense of urgency is just coming up more recently. So I don't feel like it's been prominent enough for us to address things uh, as quickly as, as we really should and will need to. In your work, Claire, do you think companies have a growing appetite to embrace new ways of becoming what we call green? 
Um, so I think, yes, there's absolutely an appetite um, for several reasons. I think it's set against what Helen touched on. There's an, there's an urgency, but this, this urgency is, is greater than ever. We've, you know, we've been urgent for 40 years. We're now at the point where we have a little over five years to get everything in place. We will have a world that is two degrees warmer. What we're trying to do now is damage limitation and, and not let it exceed that. So you know, this, it, it, it is absolutely an emergency. But the appetite for businesses to become greener um, is definitely grown. And I think there's four reasons for that. So there's ones who just want to do the right thing, first of all, because that's what, what they believe in. Um, there's the financial gains from it. So environmental sustainability is generally about operational um, efficiencies and effectiveness. So if you're looking at your business in that way, you tend to be saving money so your business can save money. But it's also about the opportunities it will present so you can tend more um, you can open up into areas and demonstrate your credentials that you wouldn't have been able to before. There's a huge impact of government um, policy and legislation um, driving all of this and customers and clients are expecting it. And I think if you don't fall into any of those four boxes, very soon you'll find yourself lagging behind. So there really is an appetite. Um, and I would say COP26, so the, 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 the UN event that's happening in Glasgow has probably helped focus government's minds on some of the support that it needs to be given um, to the community at large, not just the business community, about what we need to do in order to get ready to implement the changes um, to adapt and mitigate to climate change, because that's that's the point we're at now. Hi, Laura, could I just bring you in here, please? Do you see an urgency for the sustainability and an appetite amongst companies to embrace new ways of becoming green? Absolutely. I think the idea that companies need to be more sustainable there is a lot of difference in what sustainability is and we have to be careful it's a double-edged sword it can be really positive but we also need to be mindful that people are doing it to almost greenwash so I think it is down to um, businesses to be more responsible. I like the word responsible because that angle is looking at what we're doing and are we doing it for the right reason? I know there's a lot of companies that are itching to say, yes, we're sustainable and they don't actually understand that word. So by using the word responsible, it's taking our actions as companies and trying to make it you know, be positive for what we're doing for climate change, for looking at responsible ways of practice as well. And that could even be the, down to the way that we actually hire people, not just driving electronic cars and, and not using straws. It's so much more than that. It's making sure that people have jobs for life. So that's sustainable. And also making sure that what we're doing as practice as a company is sustainable. It's not a flash in the pan. So yeah, I think there are drivers and we as a company can help other companies to be responsible in their actions and the way that we deliver our products and our chains and all sorts of ways of dealing with other business and collaboration can also increase sustainability. But by doing that, we're giving them a green edge. Um, by working with us, we're giving traceability as well, which again adds to the responsibility angle but also we can highlight with them ways that they can be a better business sustainably and helping them. And that doesn't come at a cost. That could be just mentoring people or even just giving ideas sessions. 
that can increase that sustainability. Because at the end of the day, people are understanding that they can have better procurement processes, they can save money, as well as saving the planet. So it's not just a, oh, we put our paper in a recycling bin anymore. It's so much more than that. Thank you. If I could just come to you, Helen, in your research, what challenges do you come across that businesses face in reducing their footprint and how do you think they could possibly overcome them? I think there are many different challenges and, and building on what Claire and Laura have said, really, it's not something that you just have as a bit of an add on or a bit of greenwash for your company. It needs to be embedded into the organisation and what we need, and this is coming out of the research and practice really, is that the senior management need to make sure that that is facilitated, even if they're not necessarily the ones who are leading that, but if they can support the people who are putting that into place so that it really becomes embedded and part of the processes and it needs to be done fast. It's not necessarily um, an easy job to do that, but it needs, commitment and in our research what we've said is it needs a, a company mandate um, to do it in order for it to go ahead so senior management are absolutely um, crucial in that I would say so I think that's one of the challenges making sure that the people who are leading the company um, see the significance and don't just put the financial aspect of the triple bottom line um, at the forefront but realise it needs to work alongside environmental and social sustainability. Equally, if you just focus on environmental or social, then it could be that the financial side doesn't work out effectively. So it's really trying to juggle those because if you can't be financially sustainable, you can't address the environmental issues and so on as well. So it's, I think it's a more complex job nowadays to, to manage companies um, than it has been previously. And I think we need to, um, to offer support for that. If I can move to you, Claire, what do you think of our region in terms of its ability to, to really be a, a good focus for sustainability? Do you think we've got particular strengths or are we lagging behind the rest of the UK? And so I think if we just think of our region as a whole and think of our heritage, you know, we were, we were founded on coal and heavy industry. So we've got an economy that's going to move from black to green. So I, I think if you think of telling a story of change, um, and, and learning from the past and how you kind of carry that forward to have um, an economy that satisfies, you know, socially, economically, environmentally, then yeah, we're in a really great place. We've got great universities. Um, we've got a great landscape to, that is ripe for changing in order to help with um, adapting and mitigating to climate change, for storing um, carbon. We've got absolutely have a need for for, for quality jobs, ideally green quality jobs um, within, within our communities. So I think strategically and operationally, we are really well placed. I think there are examples of other parts of the country doing things better than us, the same as us, not as well as us. Um, so I still think there's an awful lot for us to learn. The big question I do have is I'm not sure how well our leaders kind of politically and some within the business world get the scale of this challenge, the, pro, the, the pace at which we need to change um, and how extensive it needs to be. You know, this is about a whole system change and not tweaking, not touching around the edges. We have five and a bit years to get this in place. Um, 
and we need to think about what is the carbon impact of the things we are doing what is the carbon impact of that particular investment what is the carbon impact of that strategy what is the carbon impact of that local plan producing those particular buildings over there and start questioning how we're spending money and what is the carbon implications of it and we're, we're a long way from that right now um, and Laura's right it's not about just driving electric vehicles electric vehicles causes another problem if we start looking at what's the ecological impact of that because those precious minerals come from rainforests and other parts of the world so sustainability is a whole system and you've got to be mindful of what you do at one end could have an unintended consequence at the other so yes we have a lot going for us we have an awful lot to learn but I'm not sure that the urgency we mentioned earlier on is, is really understood and embedded in the decision making in the way it needs to be. And more importantly, the finances aren't there either. Um, and we need we need the money to make the changes needed. I don't know about you, Claire, but um, I've definitely seen some positives in this green revolution that's happening right now. Is there anything that you think has been positive that you've seen? Um, so, yeah, I mean, apart from the fact that this really important agenda is getting the time that it's need, it really needs, I think, for me and just being on this call this morning reiterated as well, is that there's a really strong, um, in our region anyway, growth of women working within the sustainability sector. Um, and it's they're, they're absolutely leading the way. Some of them are setting up their own companies, um, working as consultants. They're, they're taking leadership in larger organisations. And I feel it's an area that women seem to excel in. Um, they seem to grasp the strands and see that system way of, way of working. Um, and there's a really supportive network in the region, which is just as, as important. Newcastle University has the Women in Sustainability events. Um, and I think as a career, it's something that's rewarding on lots of different levels. So it's great to see that something that's the future and the green industrial revolution um, potentially has women really at the heart of it. So um, something that I look forward to seeing more of. That's great. And both of you um, are really great exponents of it, yourselves and, and Helen. Thank you. If I could come to you, Laura, because I know you're very passionate, passionate about the region and it doing well. What's your view about our potential? We have massive potential in, in you know, we've, we've come from a very hard hitting, we said about, you know, the economy, we've had to survive, we've had to pivot. It hasn't been easy up here. We've come from some really heavy industry. And yeah, that comes at a cost that, you know, we've got very carbon heavy industry. But I'll tell you what the North has, grit and determination. And that is something that we are excellent for. And, but I am also aware, just picking up on the, um, you know, the points earlier is that we have got to be careful. People are using this terminology of leveling up and whether that's chucking money at the region, is that money filtering down to the right places for us to be able to deliver this? And going back to um, where we're heading, we need to make sure that it isn't just a ticky box exercise that makes us sound good because we've invested this money and we've got a thousand jobs and we've got these huge companies coming into the area. That's great. But are we looking after the people on the ground? Because that's where the roots come from. And we need to make sure that this transition, going back to the points earlier, is 2050 is too late, 2030 is too long. And yes, brilliant hydrogen, 
brilliant EV. Have we got the infrastructure now? No, we don't, because we don't have that investment in the right place. So the one thing that is brilliant about this area is if we get the right pieces of the jigsaw into place, we'll have a true transition to a cleaner, you know, zero emissions. People are there to help each other. People are there to be able to come up with solutions to help that industry get it to where it needs to be. We are brilliant at that in the Northeast, but we need to make sure the decisions at the top and the filtering down is done appropriately. Thank you. What's your view, Helen? I agree that absolutely the Northeast is, is very well placed um, to benefit from this focus. It, it's literally a beautiful green area that is developing and moving on from being heavy industry and progressing towards um, a more ser service-based and digital economy. And that transformation that's happened within the last 30 to 40 years shows how rapidly people can address and turn around um, economic and societal issues in, in this area. So um, undoubtedly it's very much significant for the Northeast and it's something that I feel people will be able to address and take on. That's fantastic. Just before we close the podcast, I wanted to give people a takeaway and anybody listening to think, well, if there's one thing I could do that could ch I could change to become more sustainable, what would you suggest they did, Claire? I'll start with you. So I'm going to say something that is basically green your finances, but I mean that in the biggest sense, because if you do that, then this becomes a green band that runs through your organisation because you have the financial responsibility and accountability throughout your organisation, which then means um, environmental sustainability becomes the same. And when I say green your finances, it means, well, look at what you're spending your money on. Are you using a port? correctly can you use less of it can you get it from a different supplier can you get something that's environmentally more friendly version of it think about who you bank with because there's some banks who have much more of a history in climate change than others and that's a good place to start putting your money elsewhere pensions are becoming greener there's a lot you can look at around um, the new system that un's been working with pension providers around um, so pensions have a huge impact on on emissions then there would be things that I'd also say, who are you working with in your supply chain? It's another way of green your finances. And then think about the resilience of your business because we're gonna have a lot more extreme weather events. Can your business hold up to disrupted supply from too hot, too cold, too wet, whatever that might be? Have you thought about those tests in your business and are you building in those particular stress tests? So think about green your finances, but in the widest sense, and then you'll address environmental sustainability by default. Thank you, it's definitely too wet today. <laughs> it's a good weather for ducks when we're recording this. Laura, can I ask you the same thing, if you had one piece of advice in particular? Going back to that responsibility, it's pivotal, I think, for anybody. And we have had to do this in COVID. Tell me one business that has not had to look at this. But we need to look at our vision as companies. And we need to start thinking of how we can include sustainability and responsibility into the vision of the company. And that doesn't have to be massive swathes of big ideas. It could be just one thing. So I'd say to anybody in business, you only need to do one thing to make change. It doesn't have to be massive. One thing leads to lots of things. So don't be put off thinking that you need to do 
what other people think are acceptable. Build it into your vision of your company to make that one change. Thank you. And Helen, the last word for you. My recommendation would be to try and harness those sustainability champions that are in your organisation already, because there have been people who have been out there for, for years getting on doing these kind of things, you know, in their own life, recycling, perhaps becoming vegan and uh, doing things that have been considered outside of the mainstream. And they're now influencing the mainstream. And if, if you can find a way to work out who they are within your organisation, and actually give them the capacity to develop their ideas. So support them in doing that instead of expecting them to, to do it for free. But could that be within their job somehow? And they can then influence others. So if you think about how, let's say, Northeast company Greg's has had such a massive impact simply by introducing a vegan sausage roll. You know, what kind of impact did that have right across the country and so on? And therefore that effect on environmental sustainability is huge. I felt like that was a, a turning point. And so a simple action like that, well, probably not too simple, but still a single action like that um, can have a huge impact. So try and work out who, who's your... Greg's sausage roll developer equivalent in your company um, and, and see what they can do. So sometimes it, it can be a straightforward idea that has the biggest impact. Thank you very much. And that's a super note to end on. And thanks to everybody who's listened today. And if you want more information, please log on to the Chamber website where the policy team have articles about sustainability and what we're doing with our members. Thanks very much.